Testing. Testing. Can you introduce yourself? Greetings. My name is Linda Smith, and I'm standing in front of the historical, famous Uptown Theater located between Dolphin Street and Susquehanna Avenue in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Can you describe what the Uptown looks like now? Well, it's boarded up. It's no longer open for entertainment. And can you describe what the outside of the Uptown Theater looked like in the 1960s and 1970s? Well, it back then, it was a high-class establishment. The lines used to be a block long, circling around the corner to see various African-American entertainers, such as the Isley Brothers, the Olympics, the Miracles, the Five Stair Steps, Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye. Red Fox used to tell his risque jokes here. You had Moms Mabley here. And also, later in the 70s, you may see the, have seen the Jackson 5 here. And no one could ever forget the performance of Mr. James Brown. All aboard for Night Train! to Sonic Blackness, a podcast at the intersection of black music and memory. This is episode three, Dear James, featuring Linda Ann Smith, and I'm your host, The Black Connection. I was born October the 14th, 1953. We begin at the beginning, long before 46 years mothering Hassan, 45 years of mothering Malik, and 34 years mothering me, Linda, daughter of Minnie and Levy Neely, sister to Gwen, Loretta, Doris, Dolores, Carolyn, Carl, Sydney, and Bill, tilts her head slightly back and with eyes half closed, tells me of a time when to all who loved her, as they still do, she was simply Linda Ann. I was born and raised in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I grew up in the Germantown area right off of Shelton Avenue and Worcester Street. Philadelphia was a bustling area where I lived. We had substantial businesses in our area. It was safe to play outdoors. 
and it was just the perfect time to grow up. The music was booming during that era. We used to have record shops and you can hear the music blasting out of the record shops. That was a heavy era for good music, especially Motown. And we automatically knew where to go to hear that music that we loved so well coming up. Everybody knew about the Uptown. That was a famous entertainment place where you can go see African-American artists performing at their best. It was just like the place to be. Think the Fox Theater in Detroit, or maybe the Regal Theater in Chicago, or something like the Howard Theater in DC, or the Royal Theater in Baltimore. No, no, better yet, think the Apollo Theater. The Uptown, a 1929 movie theater turned crown jewel of the Chitlin circuit by the time that Linda Ann, with her hair freshly pressed and her mouth filled with laughter, sat in Miss Dagaram's class at John L. Kinsey Elementary. It seems like I had to be maybe 10, 11 years old when I started attending shows at the Uptown Theater. I never went alone. I always was accompanied by my sisters or the neighborhood children that would attend the shows there. When we were saying, let's go to the Uptown, we would save our allowance for weeks just to attend a show at the Uptown. And when they finally earned enough from returning soda bottles, Linda Ann, Gwen, and Dolores would leave their finished chores and younger sisters Loretta and Doris at 1239 East Shelton Ave to journey from Germantown to North Philly just to hear that music that they loved so well. We lived quite a ways from the Uptown Theater. We had to catch the L bus to Broad and Only. And from Broad and Only, we got the subway to Broad and Susquehanna, I believe, the Susquehanna and Dolphin was the subway stop. And I recalled getting off the subway really excited, running up the subway stairs because we wanted to get in line because once you got to the Uptown Theater, the line might be around the corner and we wanted to get in line as early as possible so we wouldn't have to wait so long to get in the theater. It just excitement was in the air. And um, we were looking forward to the music and seeing those Motown acts. Shoot 
we would get to the theater and stand in line and it was like a regular movie theater. It looked like a movie theater, except the posters were entertaining, not movies, but real people that were going to be there on stage to entertain us. And um, we went through the theater as if you were paying your admission at a movie. It looked like a movie theater inside. It was a downstairs and a balcony. It was steps to go upstairs to the balcony. You could see a good show practically anywhere you sat. But the thing about that, people were on their feet so much doing performances that you had to stand up too because you didn't want to be trying to look over people or around people if they were standing in front of you and you were sitting down. So everybody was practically on their feet. People were in the aisles dancing. People were dancing at their seats. I will be up out of my seat, dancing, jumping up and down, clapping, singing along. It was just like electricity going through the crowd. The performances would last at least 90 minutes or more. I recall seeing at least five acts at a time, including the headliner. And the headliner usually was the last act. And then there will also be an intermission. And you would have your comedians come on and perform, such as Moms Maybelline. You know people going crazy now, you children know mom. All you children know mom, and you know mom's reputation. You know mom's been accused of liking young men. And I'm guilty. <laughs> Ain't can't no old man do nothing for me. <laughs> but bring me a message from a young man, that's all he do. And um, different acts like that. It was a quality show. It flowed really well. During intermission, you was well entertained until the next act came on. And who would make sure those posters came to life right before your very eyes? And that after the intermission, you didn't have to wait too long to see your favorite act? The guy with the goods, Mr. Georgie Woods. Georgie Woods was a disc jockey, a famous disc jockey in Philadelphia. Radio was a big thing in those days. Good morning, WDS, Georgie Woods. We had WDAS, and we also had WHAT. Georgie Woods would be on WHAT, I believe, and it was well advertised who was going to be at the Uptown any given weekend. And, And Georgie Woods had his hand on the pulse of the African-American community as far as music goes, um, as far as entertainment. He was an icon in Philadelphia. And as MC and producer of the Uptown's most popular shows, Georgie Woods ensured that all the top acts graced the theater stage. 
I never recalled a bad act at the Uptown Theater. Quality entertainment. Each performer was quality showmanship. Some of the names I recall would be Little Anthony and the Imperials, The Mad Lads, Little Stevie Wonder. That's when he was Little Stevie Wonder. He performed often at the Uptown. I recall seeing The Temptations at the Uptown, The Miracles, um, Mary Wells, and my favorite act of all, my favorite Uptown act was James Brown and the Famous Flames. So now listen, gentlemen, it is start time. Are you ready for start time? Thank you, and thank you very kindly. It is indeed a great pleasure to present to you at this particular time, national and international known as the hardest working man in show business, man that's saying, I'll go crazy. Try me. You've got the power. Think. If you want me, I don't mind. Bewildered. Million dollar seller lost someone. The very latest release, Night Train. Let's everybody shout and shimmy. Mr. Dynamite, the amazing Mr. Please Please himself, the star of the show, James Brown and the Famous Flame. James Brown was a class act. He had the famous flames with him, and you had to not only sing, you had to dance. Um, James Brown was one of the few acts where you saw both. You saw quality singing, and nobody could touch his fancy footwork. If you can picture Michael Jackson dancing today, Michael Jackson got all his dance moves from James Brown. And if you're in like the 70s generations that went to the show and you were able to see Michael Jackson perform, then you were seeing Michael Jackson do James Brown because that's how James Brown would slide across the stage on one foot. And I mean slide, literally slide across the stage on one foot. Nobody could dance like James Brown. Nobody could sing like James Brown. Nobody could holler like James Brown. And nobody could scream like James Brown. Because James Brown screamed a number of times in his songs. And he had it down. You you screamed with him. If I can recall, I believe I saw James Brown maybe two, three times at the Uptown Theater in my life. The first time I saw James Brown, I was mesmerized. I couldn't believe an entertainer on such a high quality of music, dancing, And he also had Go-Go Girls, as far as I remember. 
dancing to his music. His whole performance was first class. I know the tickets weren't really expensive. I don't recall what was the admission for the midnight show, but James Brown would give you a show whether you paid a dollar fifty maybe for an earlier show. He would perform as if you had paid a hundred dollars to see him. He put his heart and soul into every performance. James Brown was ours. And he made you feel like he made you feel that way. It is here that she pauses and grins in anticipation of telling the big story. The one I would first hear in the kitchen of 1239 East Shelton Ave on one of our summer trips to Philly when Grandmom and Pop Pop were still alive. Little me listening to her every word just as grown me is now. Well, this is the big story because this might have been maybe the second time that I saw James Brown. Maybe the third. I can't recall. But we were so excited because James Brown and the Famous Flames were going to be the headliners at the Uptown Theater. I can't even recall what acts were playing along with him because we were so focused on James Brown. We went to the show. I think it was maybe an eight o'clock show. We were so excited about James Brown eight o'clock show. My sister and I, we couldn't stay in our seats. The show was so electrifying and so mesmerizing. We decided that we were going to stay for the midnight show. And it wasn't no children allowed in the midnight show. I'm thinking maybe we were like 11 or 12. Maybe me 12 and my sister 13. That's what I'm thinking. We were so anxious and so determined that we were going to see James Brown perform another show before we left that uptown theater that we hid under our seats and waited for that midnight show to start because usually once the show started the lights were turned down in the audience and you had the spotlight on the stage so some kind of way me and my sister Gwen got away with hiding under our seats until the midnight show started. And once the audience lights were out, we came from under those seats and got in our seats and we were at the midnight show watching James Brown. And we knew that we were gonna get in trouble because before we decided that we was gonna stay for the midnight show, we were contemplating if we were gonna actually stay and we decided if we could get away with hiding under our seats without anybody coming through and checking the owls, which they did, that we were going to stay for that midnight show. Nobody found us, and we stayed for that midnight show. The first song he did when he came out was a song called Night Train. I said I love someone, and he would say, are you ready for the night train? Are you ready for the night train? 
night. And then the flames' feet will be flying. James Brown's feet will be flying because they will be dancing and they will call out all the cities where they were going to be going on that night train. They will call out Philadelphia because they were in Philly, Baltimore, Maryland. Let's go on the night train. The entertainment was electrifying and it was nothing but static in the air, excitement. The music was excellent. James Brown had a band and a half. And if you knew anything about James Brown, whether you saw him live or not, you know James Brown had a horn session that was like no other. We had a curfew and my mother told us to be home at a particular time. She knew we were going to the uptown and I believe we told our mom we'll be home right after the eight o'clock show, which should have had us home no later than 11 o'clock. We should have been home maybe 1030 and we were young, but that's when you could go walk the streets at maybe nine or 10 o'clock and nobody bothered you. When we left the theater, it had to be, I'm thinking maybe two thirty, three o'clock in the morning. The subway was still running. And so we went down in the subway at Broughton Susquehanna subway stop. And when we got to Broughton only, we realized that the L bus had stopped running because the buses would stop running at a certain time. But the subways would run, I believe, all night or maybe until 5 in the morning. So when we got to Broughton Only, we had to walk from Broughton Only, maybe a mile, a mile and a half, to our residence. And we're contemplating what mom was going to say when we got home. We knew we were in trouble. That was without saying but we had decided on whatever our fate was when we got home that we were going to take the responsibility and face it all for James Brown because it was worth it. So when we got to our home, it must have been about four o'clock in the morning. We didn't have a key, so we had to ring the doorbell. And it seems like we didn't even have the doorbell pushed all the way in before the door flew open and our mother was standing at the door like a fire-breathing dragon. <laughs> and she knew that we were no place but the uptown. She knew that. And she opened that door and she said to us, Get in here because I'm going to tear you up. Me and my sister Gwen walked through the front door with our heads down. And we had decided on the way home that no matter how hard the beating was going to be, that it was worth it for James Brown. And sometimes when you got a beating in those days, you had to go get the belt yourself. 
not this time. The belt was in mom's hand at the front door. We came through that front door and welts were going everywhere. The belt was flying. It was like it was whistling in the air because my mama could handle a belt. And that belt whizzed through the air and she was tearing us up on our legs and our arms. And it seems like that little beating lasted for at least 15 minutes. But I don't think it lasted no more than five minutes. My mom said, get upstairs. You're on punishment. I don't know when you're going back to the Uptown Theater again. And if I can recall, I think that might have been the last time I saw James Brown at the Uptown. However, it was well worth it. I think we were on punishment for at least a couple of months. My mother was so worried about us and we weren't thinking that we were gonna have mom worried. We were thinking about the gratification that we knew that we were going to receive witnessing a James Brown show. And the midnight show for children at that age to be able to stay and witness something like that. And I'm sure we got bad looks, but we didn't care. We was at the James Brown midnight show and nobody asked us to leave. I think we were trying to be as undercover as we could. We didn't really act a fool at that show because we didn't want to bring attention to ourselves. But that was one of the best shows that I ever saw in my life. With no regrets in the memory of James Brown and the famous Flames to keep her company while on punishment, Linda Ann spent her weekends traveling no further than the front porch of 1239. But as soon as she was allowed to go see a show at the Uptown again, as long as it wasn't a midnight show, she did just that. Until the day that she and all the others who would come dressed to the nines in their slim cut suits and baby doll dresses ready to dance and scream for their favorite acts, no longer could. I went to the Uptown Theater and was able to catch performances until the Uptown closed the stores and I believe that was maybe in the early 70s, maybe in the mid 70s. I believe I was still going to the Uptown in the ninth and 10th grade when I was maybe about 15, 16, it seems to me like just one day it wasn't there anymore as far as being open to the public. I don't know what happened with it. I do remember not going. It wasn't a place where you can go and get quality entertainment anymore. And I think the entertainment um, that was going on at that time, um, early 70s, the music had changed, was changing. 
you didn't have your step groups. That's what we will call them. Because when they did their songs, they would mostly have steps they would do. And everything was kind of synchronized with these dance steps. So things changed. That era was gone. And I recall the void. Financially deemed a relic of time and musical taste, the Uptown Theater officially closed its curtains as a performance venue in 1978. Four years later, the National Park Service added it to the National Register of Historic Places where it joined the Royal Theater, Philadelphia's first Black-run theater famously advertised in its day as America's finest colored photo playhouse. After a revolving series of investors and sometimes buyers, the Uptown would temporarily experience its afterlife as another source of holy ground, serving as home to True Light Community Ministries from the late 80s to the early 90s. In the decades that followed, it continued to stand quietly at 2240 North Broad Street. The initiated and uninitiated to its history often stopping in front of its now brightly painted mural facade to retell or imagine its past. I went the other day with my daughter to reminisce and tell her stories about the Uptown Theater, and it's just an abandoned building. It's not graffitied up. They do have paintings of records, the 45s and the LPs, that we would listen to. Georgie Wood's picture is painted on one of the panels and you can see all kind of staples in the walls from old playbills that were placed there. And I would think advertising what acts will be performing at the Uptown. It's neglected where it should be an icon in that community. It should be a museum. It should be open to the public where the public can come see and reminisce that era. Restoring the Uptown's physical presence and legacy has been the chief project of the Uptown Entertainment and Development Corporation for the past 26 years. As the owner of the Uptown, the UEDC has both raised and secured funding to steadily work towards a complete restoration of the building to bring it back to life as an entertainment venue and black music museum with additional plans for the space as well. The vision for its restoration, guided by the tireless and faithful leadership of Miss Linda Richardson, who in November of 2020 joined the circle of ancestors who danced, laughed, shouted, fell in love, and were mesmerized when witnessing a show at the Uptown Theater. In those days, witnessing and being able to attend quality African-American entertainment by our entertainment heroes, because that's the way we looked at them, just um, class acts, quality entertainment, somewhere that you can go where you were safe inside. I don't ever recall a fight breaking out during my time at the Uptown Theater. The audience wasn't going to have it. We came to experience and witness good shows and good music. And that's that's what it was like being there. 
After 46 years mothering Hassan, 45 years of mothering Malik, and 34 years of mothering me, Linda, daughter of Minnie and Levy Neely, sister to Gwen, Loretta, Doris, Dolores, Carolyn, Carl, Sydney, and Bill, with her head slightly tilted back and eyes half closed, lets the memories wash over her as so many other black Philadelphians of her generation do whenever you ask, did you ever see a show at the Uptown? And especially if you ask, did you ever see a James Brown show at the Uptown? To end, I ask her, is there anything else you want to tell us about the Uptown or the night you and Aunt Gwen saw James Brown? With the certainty of nostalgia lining her smile, she responds, Those days are gone. Those days were like a whole other realm that you don't even have today. The feeling was a lifetime experience that you would never forget. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sonic Blackness. You can get connected to us on Instagram at The Black Connection. Be sure to check out the show notes to learn more about the Uptown Theater and for a link to a playlist featuring the songs heard in this episode along with some of my mama's favorite songs from her Uptown days.